Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily, a place where you can have daily inspiration, meditations, and conversations to help you connect to your own inner guidance. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Lauren Lee. I'm a meditation guide and the founder of Inner Rebel Company. I'm helping you connect to your own inner guidance. Come check out the show. Welcome back to Inner Guidance Daily. How are you guys doing today? How are you feeling? Have you ever wondered where is all this emotional energy, all these experiences you've had in 2020, where is all that going to go? Our bodies have to be holding on to some of this, you would think, right? And so when I finally got to talk to Irene Lyon, a nervous system expert, I had to ask her, what do we start to what do we need to start doing now today? in order to make sure that 20 years from now, 10 years from now, we don't suffer traumatic experiences within our own bodies and our own nervous systems from what we've gone through. And she gives such amazing advice. And she also shares with me, it's it's a very important and a really big question. For so many of us, 2020 has been a very interesting year and it has unearthed so much that has always been there. And so you might be one of those people who are sitting there feeling like 2020 has brought to the forefront all of the traumatic experiences I've had in my life and asked me to look at them. And that's what Irene is saying. This is the opportunity for people to step up, to do the work. And that's one thing that we can do as healthcare providers, as teachers, as parents, as individuals of our community is to do our own work. That means looking inward and understanding what traumas do I hold in my nervous system? Is my nervous system totally shot? Am I paying attention to my outer exterior and never looking inward? Those types of self-inquiry questions are what we all need to be doing right now. And doing it not just for ourselves, but for the collective As you heal parts of yourself, you're healing parts of your ancestry experiences, you're healing parts of your living current family, of your friends, and then out into your community and out into the world. So it's so important, not just for you, but for all of us, right? We're all in this together. Irene is a nervous system expert, and she teaches people around the world how to work with our own nervous system and how to transform it. How to transform trauma and heal the body and heal the mind and to live full and creative lives. Her online programs have reached over 4,000 people in over 60 countries. She has a master's degree in biomedical and health science. And she also has a really amazing knack for making really complex information so easy to understand. I highly recommend checking out her YouTube channel, follow her on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you uh, prefer your social outlets. And uh, this conversation is so interesting, very uh, candid, real, raw advice for us to take in right now and things you can start applying today. You don't have to wait, but you will get bits of information that really resonates with you and things to think about for the future. And I'm so glad you're here listening to this today. You found this episode for a reason. So let's go ahead and check into the show and I'll see you after. Well, 
Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily. I'm so excited to have this guest here with me today, Irene Lyon, nervous system and somatic trauma expert. Welcome to the show. Hey there, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. I literally was preparing for this conversation and in my, the back of my mind, I kept thinking SOS, SOS, <laughs> like what <laughs> do people, you know, need to know? I feel like everybody should be calling you right now. Everybody <laughs> should be working with you. So I hope you're extremely busy. And if you're not, hopefully this will encourage people yeah. to reach out to you. But in the landscape of 2020, right, even though it's approaching the end, it's yeah. still going to linger into 2021, right? Yeah. Yeah. How should we be caring for ourselves right now? Like as a nervous system expert, as mm -hmm. understanding trauma, like what we're actually going to have to un undo many years later, like what do we do now to help us through this time? Yeah. Well, it's, that's a good, it's a simple question and it's a complex question because everything that's happening now, at least in my opinion and what I've seen, it was already there before this year. There's just kind of, things are just bubbling up in so many ways. And the one thing that's been interesting is to see um, my students, my colleagues, people that have been in this work for a while while it's no, by no means easy right now, you know, we're all pissed in various ways because we're not doing the things that we're just so wanting to do and the freedoms that have been stripped from, from us and all these things. Um, there is a level I'm seeing of, um, I don't even really like the word groundedness, but, but just being connected to what is happening and not letting it completely throw us off to the point of us going crazy or insane or shutting down and getting into a lot of bad habits and behaviors as coping strategies, because that is happening. You know, I'm see, I see in the world that we are with social media, you know, people just, oh, I've let go of myself. I'm not going to bother to exercise and I'm going to drink as much as I want mm -hmm. to eat as much as I want to. And oh God, I haven't done my yoga practice in three months. And and I think maybe we can get away with that for a little while, but after a, a few weeks goes by, we kind of have to go, okay, it's time to come back to center, come back to connecting to our bodies and our minds and our environments and taking care of ourselves. And so uh, I was actually talking to my husband about this a few days ago, and it's kind of been an ongoing theme in some of the worlds I follow and that this is like the true, this is like the test right now. And that we're being asked as humans who are here right now to, to really do deep work mm -hmm. and deep work, meaning being okay with uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. And here's, what's interesting, Lauren, is we don't ever know what's going to happen the next day. Even if we have it so perfectly planned, anything could happen. A plane could fall out of the sky, you know, not to be doomsday, but stuff can happen. And it always is the case, but there's something about this year that's throwing us into even more uncertainty, confusion, not knowing who to believe, what to believe. And at the end of the day, we have to come back to our, and I'm pointing to my body, but like to our, our internal, to our center, to all of our cells, not just our center, but everything. Because when we're connected to that part of us, our bodies, our somatic selves, we actually know the truth. 
in, in, from what I've seen, we know what we need to do. We know how to take care of ourselves, but we've been as a human species so thrown off our internal compass and so much thrown off just that inner knowing um, something called interception, which is the perception of internal inter our internal environment. So much so that we question whether what we're feeling is correct, right? We're, we're getting all these, uh, what's the word? We're getting all these messages from media and places and spaces and governments and people and friends and family and people on the street, like this is how I should be or this is what you should do. And it's, it's unfortunate that I see not many people are actually list, learn, going in and listening to, well, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Does this feel right to me? Should I be doing this? What do I need to do to take care of myself? And I've found that those that have really in the past connected to their nervous system, connected to that inner knowing, that authenticity, the rawness, the emotions, they're doing a bit better in certain ways, maybe a bit rawer um, than those who haven't really paused to stop and feel. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And so I yeah. think this year has, has, it's almost been like the grand test, if you will, like who has been doing their, I'm going to say this with air quotes, their exercises, their homework, you know, and by that, I mean, not just the homework of eating well and, and exercising, but all of it, like all of the connections that make up a human system. Um, so it, uh, so that's one thing. And the other thing is it's bringing a lot of our traumas to the surface. You know, it's bringing um, the, the fears to the surface, the things that we were uncertain about in the past. Um, and it's, it's kind of, um, how shall we say, it is putting out in front of us things that we have not faced and dealt with. And it's like, okay, well, you can't hide by going to the movies right now. You can't go on a vacation right now. You know, I'm being very general. Um, these things that we're used to doing to distract ourselves, well, they're not there in the same way. And so we're having to sit with a lot of our stuff and just be like, okay, I guess I should unpack this. And those who aren't are, from what I've seen, the ones who are kind of numbing out and doing the things that aren't providing health and healing. So there's a huge opportunity this year for healing, um, but it's how we look at the situation. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, you mentioned a few things that piqued my interest. Uh, yeah. First of all, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with what you're saying that, you know, this makes sense. I should go back to my center. I should find out what I want to do and what's right for me. But how does somebody do that? What if they're ground zero and they're like, okay, I've been just navigating my life about what people tell me to do. And I've just kind of been a robot and <laughs> I kind of know there's something else I should be paying attention to do, but like, where, what am I supposed to be doing to connect to my center and understand like, what am I feeling? Who am I? What is my environment? Where do we start? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big question <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's a kind of like, did you see the movie, the matrix? I, I don't want to, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's kind of almost a metaphor for everything that's occurring right now. And that you think things are a certain way and then something cracks open, you know, a reality that is different from the reality you thought was true. And one could say that it's like a bit of an existential crisis that's occurring 
for a lot of people. And there might be like, you know, heels in the ground, you know, no way I'm not going there. But I will say this, if we think about health and our mental health, our physical health, our nervous system health, which is my thing, resisting that which we know is probably truth is actually going to cause more pain and toxicity in the system. And so, you know, to go back to that question, what does someone do if they're realizing, wow, I really have to find out who I am. You got to go back to when did that get wiped out in the first place? Cause it didn't happen just this year. Right. Right. It, it, it goes back to even before we were born in some instances, how our parents were in their world, you know, did they stand up for their truth and their sovereignty or did they buy in um, to, I'm supposed to get married, get a job, get a degree, have kids, have, you know, a white picket fence, that whole kind of dream of what that is. And maybe they went that route but deep down, they really wanted to be something completely else, something completely different, you know, um, and there's a multitude of ways to look at that. But, you know, let's just say that we know that mom and dad didn't quite do what their heart, their gut, their soul purpose was. And we're caught in this bind where it's like, OK, well, that's what they did. And I started along that route. And now I'm in this, I'm going to be very general hypothetical. Now I'm in this job and yeah, I'm getting paid. And yes, I have these things, but there's this inner knowing that there's something else, right? There's something different. And it doesn't have to be like pack up all your stuff and move to, you know, Costa Rica or, or the middle of the desert or anything like that. It could be something so simple as I really think I need to take an art class. Or, you know, gosh, I really want to learn a martial art, even though everyone's like, no, you're supposed to run because we're runners in the family, you know, or, oh, you're supposed to do this because this is what the family does. And there's a really interesting thing that occurs when a human being finds the maturity, I'm going to use that word very deliberately, the maturity, the emotional maturity to say, I want to be who I am. I respect everything else that came before me but there's something missing in this system of mine and I need to like go the other way. Some people would say that's the black sheep of the family, right? Like there's always one of those people in a family and they think people think, oh, well, they're the crazy ones. And really they're the ones that are tr trying to break out of that matrix, so to speak. And so when a person is like, okay, there's something that I'm missing there with that comes, you have to be, uh, you've got to have humility. That's what I'm looking for. There has to be a humility and a willingness to maybe say, oh my God, I actually didn't know this stuff. You have to be okay admitting um, faults perhaps or admitting that I was wrong, right? Or, oh my God, I have to change my mind. And you know, there's just so many ways that we can look at it, but let's just say someone's come to that edge and they're like, yep, I wanna go to the other side. I wanna take the red pill as we would say in the matrix. <laughs> Um, when that occurs, it's a few things are very important. One, don't jump into the deep end to the point where you don't know how to swim. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like you got to titrate into it. And that's a, a word that we use in my field, which is to do things step by step, drop by drop. You don't want to throw a big bomb together, like 
because then you might not know what to do, do with it. But how can you do one little thing and see how that shifts? And that might be, like I mentioned, experimenting with some art, or it might be experimenting with crying when you watch a movie, when you've always held it in, in front of your partner, mm. you know, like just little things like that to just start to kind of break out of that shell. Um, and by the by, what, a, what allows that to come up and out is when we can be with our bodies and start listening to them um, and listening to everything, not just the good stuff, but the stuff that maybe is really scary and seems a little demonic maybe and a little demented and isn't very nice, right? Because we've, as humans, we've been very good. And again, I'm generalizing, but we're being very good at keeping peace and not rocking the boat and not wanting to hurt other people's feelings and not standing ground and setting boundaries. And so when we start to get into that um, world of experimentation, if you will, um, you have to, at least from what I've seen, go into it in a way that isn't so shocking that you um, are completely exiled from your current life. Some people will do that, right? Some people will just say, I'm unplugging and, <laughs> you know, and let's see what happens. And I think that for those that enter in that way, that might be their soul journey and they're ready. You know, maybe in, I believe in past lives. So in other lives, they've inch their way towards that. And this time in 2020 is their time to say, screw it. You know, I'm unplugging from this matrix and I'm not living the way that every single ancestor and family member has because life is short and I want to actually feel, you yeah. know, the realness of what is here, even if it's really scary and really hard, etc. So I don't know if that answers that question for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's so wonderful. And it, it made me, you know, really curious about like, did you come to an edge? You know, did you get to a place in your life where, um, you know, and I know a little bit more about your background, but yeah. I'd love for you to share too. Like, you know, did you get to a place in your life where you're like, I need to feel my body. I need to see what's happening. I need to understand more about what led you to be a nervous system. I don't feel like that or like a little girl, like, you know, I'm going to be a nervous system expert. So yeah. what, what led you here to this yeah. work? Yeah. Um, you broke up a little bit, but I heard exactly what you said. So I'll repeat what you were asking. And that is like, was there a moment where I kind of was like, I got to be more with my body. I have to be more raw, more authentic, more real. And no, I did not want to be a nervous system expert when I was, I mean, I had no, it didn't even exist back then, right? In, this, in, the, in the early eighties. Um, so I would say that there was never one moment where I woke up and I was like, okay, this has to change. Like there's some relationships I was in where it was like, okay, this has to, this have to, this has to shift, this has to end. But in those moments I had already gotten into the somatic work I would say that the, 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 the point where I realized something was really not wrong, it's not the right word, but I'm missing something was one of the first times I entered into the mind body work. I was in my mid twenties and I was recovering from a really severe knee injury and, knee, and surgeries. I'd had like five surgeries in a period of a few years on one knee. And I was, well, in that my bones and muscles and ligaments were all, 
lined up and good, but I was in a lot of physical pain still. And my therapist, my physical therapist couldn't figure out why. And I had studied up into that point rehab, like exercise rehab. So I was a specialist working with people with pains and injuries and all that kind of stuff before I got into the nervous system work. So something was wrong. Like I was like, these people are not getting better. I'm not getting better. Even though I've studied this, some people are like, what's, what's missing here. And so I had to essentially admit, I don't know. I don't know. And even my therapist, he's like, I don't know what's going on. Let's, you should go see someone else who has this specialty. And this person is trained in something called the Feldenkrais method, which was my kind of entry point into nervous system work. And so I went and I saw this gentleman who was trained in this sophisticated form of um, rehabilitation. And I kind of literally like threw my arms up in the air metaphorically. I'm like, I'll do anything. Just tell me what to do. So there wasn't at that moment like this interest. It was more a desperation on my side. So I went into it and no word of a lie after four weeks of doing nothing but that um, and relearning how to move my body the way it was meant to move because of all the surgeries and the imbalances, I was like crooked, even though I was straight, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, I did the work for four weeks straight. I let go of all of the exercises, all of the stretching, all of the massage and Cairo and physio. I just stopped it all and only focused on this one thing. And I was so young at the time that I hadn't, I hadn't had enough experience with that kind of thing to have a judgment around it. I just kind of went into it, you know, like the way a kid would climb up a tree not thinking it's a bad thing because it isn't unless of course they have someone say, you know, be careful, you're going to fall and hurt yourself. So there was none of that history. So I just went into it. And within four weeks of doing nothing but this, my body completely changed. All the pain was gone. It was, it was insane. Lauren, it was just like, whoa, this is, and I was young. And so they're just, the patterns weren't there that were baked into me. And it, I was like, oh my God, like I just did something that I don't really know what I just did. It worked. I'm intrigued by it. And now I have to look at my schooling, which has taught me the opposite of what just helped me, Hmm. which is a big thing to swallow when you've just spent seven years going to university, your parents have put you through, you know, that schooling, thousands of dollars, thousands of hours. And the very thing you studied didn't help you. And so I had to kind of go to back to the drawing board and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be a hypocrite if I don't learn this as a profession, because it just helped me so much. So I entered into learning more about this work, which is the Feldenkrais method. Um, And then interestingly enough, the next story to that is I trained did really good work. I had a private practice. I'm really fast forward this like four years has passed now. I'm in my practice and I'm working, I'm doing really good work with people. But then there was like 50% of the people I was seeing weren't getting better with this amazing stuff that I had just learned. And I'm like, what the heck have I, what am I missing? And then that is what led me to the deeper trauma work. The people that were not getting better with the really good work that had helped me, they had had much more history of trauma than myself. So, you know, horrific sexual abuse, physical 
abuse, really like almost near death accidents, um, accidents that, you know, led them to be um, not paralyzed, but just really not good, you know, that sort of thing. And um, I'm like, okay, there's something in this population of people that I'm seeing where even this sophisticated form of mind body work isn't working. And then that's what led me to the work of Peter Levine and somatic experiencing. And then that, I would say going into the somatic experiencing work is what popped me open to another level is I didn't realize as a person who had a really good upbringing, really good family, roof over my head, I wasn't abused, I wasn't traumatized, you know, all these things, lived in a good spot, clean air, beautiful mountains, you know, even with that childhood, there was still conditions and social engineering and the ways in which we get treated or mistreated at school, you know, all these things that, that just sort of were just, well, this is just how it is. Um, I hadn't realized how much that stuff was impacting me, which then made me realize, my God, if this is impacting me, who had a good, pretty darn good, you know, I'm a successful person, this shows how, um, unwell and damaged so many other people are at that level and um it was in that moment of about three years where i started to see wow this is pretty much the reason why we are suffering so much as a human species is this trauma that gets trapped in the system and so i wouldn't say there was like this one moment but it was kind of this opening up to seeing things in a different way and realizing that so much of what we think is accurate in say medicine, education, all these things, not that it's 100% wrong, but we're missing a piece of the story, if that makes sense. And, you know, it was learning more about chronic illness and we can get into some other topics that, you know, wherever we want to go with this, but that a lot of what we treat at the medical model world, you know, not including things like broken bones and that kind of thing, like those things need a doctor, but a lot of our chronic illnesses are a result of this early trauma not being healed. And it's just something that's still really struggling to get into the mainstream. It's getting a bit better. I mean, with conversations like these, um, it is, it is sort of sparking up, but it's still very, slow to spark up when we look at the impact of the nervous system and its health on everything. Yeah, you, um, thank you for that, by the way. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that, you know, you followed the breadcrumbs and, yeah. you know, led you into this work that you're doing today. I know you're helping so many people. And um, you mentioned that, uh, or I read, I should say that you said all chronic and mental illness can be connected to dysregulation of the nervous system and unresolved traumatic stress. Yes. And when I read that, right, um, my I stopped and I just was like looking up and I was in my head thinking like, okay, so why isn't it mainstream? But then literally your next se sentence was like, why the f isn't this mainstream? So yeah. what it why <laughs> is the missing link? Yeah, you were just talking about this and if this could solve so many people's problems and solve so many issues, especially around mental health, why would we miss this huge, huge yeah. opportunity? That's a great question. Um, and the theory behind that 
and the feeling, not just from me, but from other people that I've been mentored by, and even the researchers that stumbled across this connection with early adversity and, and childhood stress. And it's, and it's not just mental illness and chronic illness, it is all like heart disease, cancer, arthritis, drug use, poor relationships, violence, being incarcerated. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on and on. It's so many things. Um, here's the thing, to be able to do this work and accept it and bring it to a higher level, the people involved have to be willing to look at their own stuff. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not like, you know, I, I, I'll use myself as an example. I had all those knee injuries where I had to have orthopedic surgeries. I had to have a kneecap reassembled, like all these things. And a good orthopedic surgeon doesn't have to have broken every bone in his body or her body to know how to fix a broken bone, right? You don't have to. And so there's like this medical world where some things you don't need to understand them implicitly. You can learn them explicitly and be really good at it. When it comes to this work, working at this nervous system level and this deeper element of how our nervous systems become dysregulated as a result of trauma and stress and then healing it, the people offering it out, the whether it's the doctors, the school teachers, the government officials, the health care educators, if they're not embodied with the work and doing it themselves, it doesn't land. It doesn't, it doesn't come across as authentic. And so, um, oh, are you still there? still here i'm gonna cut my that's, video that's fine. and see if this will help okay sure. so if a person isn't if the person get you know the therapist the doctor the school teacher the nurse the you know if they are not in the work themselves and looking at their own adversity their own traumas their own pains etc um it just doesn't stick and i think this is why um we know, and I'll give you a story. Have you heard of the physician and author Gabor Mate? Has, has no, he I don't think so. Mm -mm. Oh, okay. He, well, he's definitely looking up. He is a medical doctor, author, um, and has really put on the map the importance of um, connecting to not just the mind and the body, but the environment. He's done a lot of work around addiction and chronic illness and ADD. Um, but he remembers um, lecturing at a medical school and he was giving a rundown of some very prominent seminal research, which is called the ACE study. Have you ever come across the ACE study? I, I heard you talk about it. Yes. Yeah. So it, it stands for adverse childhood experiences study. And this study is kind of the study that has created, it's almost fact. And that's hard to say when it comes to science, the science is continually trying to prove something is true. But this has been this study has been replicated so many times all around the world, in different populations. And basically, it says that when we have got adversity growing up, and the more adversity we have, um, it will create some form of illness later in life. And we know that that chronic stress, that dysregulation of the nervous system 
will create a situation in the body that is toxic, that isn't well, that isn't regenerating and repairing. And that's what creates breakdown and cancer and chronic illness and all these things. So Gabor Mate was presenting this research to a auditorium of physicians. And he's good at putting the science and the numbers and the stats. And, and at the end of his presentation, I'm paraphrasing, he's like, everyone was silent. Nobody had any questions and nobody wanted to debate me on what I had just presented. And he's like, and usually doctors are pretty open to like debate. It's like, well, what about this? Or what about that? And he's like, everyone was silent because they could see the research was done so well and it had been replicated. And it was, you know, the statistical significance was so huge that they knew that it was truth. And so as he was talking, there were people that were leaving the auditorium, Lauren, like people were getting up and leaving people were starting to, to cough, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. which is a sign of um, the sympathetic nervous system starting to constrict, like the airways are starting to constrict. So there were people in the audience who were actually having a visceral physiological response to seeing this data because it, it hits straight into your body, into your cells when you see it and you see how statistically significant it is. It's like, you can't ignore it. Right. And he said, what's so fascinating is that they know this is true, but unless they're willing to deal with their own stuff, they are not going to bring this information into their practice. Um, and even the founder of the study, um, Vincent Felitti is his name. Um, he's still alive. He did a beautiful, I'll have to share it with you, a beautiful 20 minute video. Some people made a tribute to his research and his findings and this finding came out in the 80s, Lauren. Wow. <laughs> like oh. it, it came out a long, like late 80s, the study was happening. And then it got published, I think, in the early 90s. And I'm like, and he's like, you'd think that people would be all over this because this is the answer to, right. to a lot of human suffering. Um, but because it, it packs such a huge punch um, with what a person has to deal with, internally, it's just so scary. And the other thing, the other reason why I think it hasn't become mainstream, all of the systems would have to shift. Mm. You know, like if you think about it, there's a, there's a hospital up the street from where I live and, you know, you drive or you, I'm riding, I ride my bike down the, the lane often in the summer and it's a huge hospital, Vancouver General, and there's, you know, the cancer unit, the rheumatoid arthritis unit, the heart disease unit, and there's just all these buildings with chronic illnesses written on them. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the amount of money, mm -hmm. the amount of training, the infrastructure to treat with pharmaceuticals, these illnesses, that's a huge industry. And so right. for someone like little old Irene or Gabor Mate or Vincent Felitti, who's got clout in the science world to come in and say, hey, if we actually helped people heal at this level, and if we actually trained and taught parents and future parents, like people who aren't even having kids yet, like if we did education at the level of school and high school and elementary school and university, over the course of a few generations, we could absolutely get rid of all of this chronic illness. 
but it would mean a it would be a restructuring that I don't think many people can quite understand how that would work. That's my hunch as to why it hasn't become mainstream. I mean, big pharma plays a big piece of it. You know, I don't want to really go down that because that's also very political. But yeah. um, but I think that's why. I think that's a big part of it. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's what I have thought of many times. Because I agree, you would think that everybody would want to do this work, but the work isn't all peaches and cream, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it it can be very hard and very deep. It brings in that shadow side. It brings in deep, deep pain um, and all the things that we've trapped that were just too tough to feel when we were young and when our parents were young and our grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it's so fascinating um, that it's individuals, you know, it's based on the individual willing to do the work to bring it into their practices. I think that's Wow, a big call to people to say, "Hey, you know, you're strong enough to do this," and mm-hmm. and and potentially, you know, embrace, you know, this opportunity to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned something about parents. I'm a parent, and yeah. uh, a lot of the listeners are parents too. And is there something that we can do now to support our children? You know, not not enduring traumatic stress um, or or damage to their nervous system through a pandemic, through this mask wearing, through uncertainty and mystery and parents having intense conversations. Um, What would be your advice to parents or to children? You know, what, what can we do to help ourselves now? Well, the first, you know, I, this question gets asked all the time and it was just even asked a day or so ago. Um, so there's, I'll, I'll answer this in two contexts. So one is, let's just say it is not the year 2020 and we're just wanting to know like, what can we do to help our kids? And the, the one thing is do your own work. And that might seem like a cop-out answer, but the more and more you look at um, the research and energy and how we transfer trauma to our young, even without knowing it, Um, if we are doing our own work and processing and working through the traumatic stressors that we held in our system when we were young, the times we were wrong, the times we broke our arm off of our bike and we weren't cared for, like all the hurts and pains and the divorces and the deaths and and all that stuff. So if we work on our own stuff, um, and, and I'm going to be very specific alone, and I don't mean alone, but I mean not with our kids. There's there's this thing happening right now where a lot of, I see things, you know, on Instagram that maybe I shouldn't look at Instagram, but where, where, you know, parents are like, we have to show our children all our emotions so that they learn emotional health. Mm. That's actually false because a child is immature. They right. just are. They don't know how to deal with a mommy who's having a rage in the kitchen, throwing pans on the floor. And while that might be a cathartic thing that we would do when no one is around to get that energy out, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not opposed to that kind of thing, if a child is seeing that, they are going to shut down and they are going to become terrified. It isn't going to teach them how to be in their own body. They're going to be so worried about us that they're going to try to take care of us. So 
doing our own work as caregivers, as parents, as grandparents, as aunties, as uncles, that is super important so that we're not holding the energy because the kiddos will feel it, right? They're just these energy sponges. Um, and when they're super authentic and raw in their own self, they'll be able to pick up that they're, we're all empathetic creatures, right? And so they're, they're going to feel it. In terms of the current time, that's a tough one, Lauren, because, you know, I don't have my own biological kids. I have a stepson who's now an adult. So I don't, you know, I don't have them in my household. Um, my husband said to me a little while ago, he's, he even, he's like, I'm glad I don't have kids in school right now. Cause it would be really hard. Um, you know, if I'll, I'll speak to where, if I had ch children right now that were young, I would probably not be putting them into school right now if they had to wear masks. I just, I know it, um, mainly because that's just my stance. And um, I think that we need to, this goes back to that question you asked a little while ago about um, finding our true sovereign authentic self and being like, do I, is this okay that I'm putting my child in this situation where they are not breathing air freely, where they're being restricted, where they're being told to not touch their friends, to not play in the way they wanna play. Um, we actually don't know how damaging that will be mm. in the future. Yeah. Because it's never happened before. This has never happened before, right? If you try to put a mask on an animal, they aren't, it's not gonna stay on. Because it, it's, you know, even we had cats a little while ago um, when I was younger, they would never want a collar on their neck. They just, it was, wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. And so, you know, I would say if you can try to protect them, try to shield them from what's happening. Um, because when they're that young, and, and when I mean young, I mean like under the age of 10 kind of thing. Um, when they're still really young and immature, they will shift their physiology and their expression based on what the adults are saying and doing. And I think it's kind of like there's, you know, there's everyone's got to do their own thing, but we really have to ask, like, is it, is it, does it feel good for me to put my child into a fear state? Does that feel good? Um, or do we talk about it, but in a way that's really neutral? Um, you know, I was watching a, a clip from a, a doctor in Germany a little while ago, and he's very, very worried about the consequences long-term of what's happening, because a lot of kids are being told that if they don't mask up, they're gonna kill grandma and grandpa, and that's just not accurate, right? It's not fair yeah. to, put that, yeah. to put that energy on a little human being who doesn't even know how to be with the basic emotions without a pandemic that's happening or whatever we want to call it. Um, and so there's sort of, to me, it's like, uh, we have to be very individual. And I know depending on where we live, there are certain things that are going to be restrictive. And then the question is, is are those restrictions real? I'm going to be a little controversial here, <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> right? But it's like, but, you know, we went into our grocery store the other day and there's a sign and even our drugstore has a sign that says, uh, please wear a mask. And another, another store said, um, we really recommend you wear a mask. 
So they're not saying it is a law that you have to, and I'm in Canada. So I don't every, I know in the United States, every state is different based on the governor. So I know it's a completely different situation, but um, I haven't worn one yet in a store and it's never been a problem. Um, they might ask and you just say, well, I'm, I'm not wearing one. <laughs> and, right. And so it's kind of like, it's this element of, are we questioning? Are we asking, or are we just following kind of what is being told, but are we actually getting information that is accurate? Um, and I mean, it's just, it seems like it's the only thing people can talk about right now. So we're kind of dating this, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I would really say to parents, what feels good to you? Like, does it feel good? Does this feel good or does this feel better? Um, just like when you're with your kiddos, if they fall and scrape their knee, are you going to let them cry and feel that pain? Or are you going to scoop them up because you're embarrassed that your child just fell? You know, because by letting them cry and letting them feel and letting them express and being there and keeping them safe, you're helping them regulate. You're helping them come down. But if you're scooping them up and, and shuffling them out of that public space because you are afraid of what people are going to think, then there's a situation where you are not allowing that little immature human to experience this wave of what's happening as a result of your own um, insecurities. You know, I'm being very kind of blunt there, but it's like that little one deserves to cry and feel in that expression. And so I know I've kind of, you know, jetted around there with the, the current situation with masks and restrictions, but you know, what if we have to just kind of hang out with our tribe and, and protect them and just bring them places where it is okay to not wear one um, and to be free and for them to just know that freedom as opposed to being put under these, you know, in my opinion, ridiculous restrictions, but that's in my opinion. So um, yeah, it's kind of, I've kind of gone all over the place there. I love it. I it's love it so one. much. It's a tough one. Yeah. I love the advice so much. And again, it's bringing people back to their inner guidance, right? It's coming 100%. back to center and, and finding out what works best for you. And it is a tricky situation and it can change daily sometimes. Yes. Um, but I, I really appreciate your advice. And um, I wanted to ask you one final question because it's a really, I think it's a good way to wrap it up and you kind of even almost alluded to it, but you, you shared that the word sovereignty is really mm. resonating with you right now. And I wanted you to just share a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, it's funny that word has never really been in my vocabulary, vocabulary until this last year with everything going on. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a word that really represents, and I'm still getting used to it. Right. But it's a word that represents internal freedom and knowing who you are, that you are an individual, that you're sovereign. I mean, that's right. I, I, I should know the root of the word. I'm sure we could look it up. Um, but to have that internal freedom and to have boundaries and to be able to say, no, that's not okay. Um, you know, I'll give you a really 
really simple example. We went out for dinner well over a month ago um, and we know the owners and um, we walked in and the host immediately took the thermometer, that little laser thing that is being used. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, he put it right up to my husband's brain before even asking. Yeah. And my husband was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, well, I have to take your temperature. And he goes, you can do that on my wrist. But there was no asking, um, I'm a, is it okay if I, um, I'm about to do this, right? right. There was right. no, it was like a breach of boundary. It was just this complete non-consensual thing. And, and I, I thought, that is really interesting. And the thing that was so shocking, Lauren, was that we we were sitting close to the door when we were eating. No one questioned it. They just allowed that to happen. And some might say, well, it's not such a big deal, Irene. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just a temperature thing. It's just a laser going into your brain and into your pineal gland. But, you know, that's my opinion. <laughs> but it's like, and the funny thing is, is you stop them. And it's kind of a Jedi thing. Like if you watch Star Wars, it's very Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like these are, this is not yeah. what you do. These are not the droids <laughs> you're looking for. It's like, excuse me. And you ground, you don't be a dick about it. It's like, you just ground yourself. And it's like, could you use that on my wrist? Cause it works on the wrist. It, it'll work anywhere on the skin where there's a, you know, right. where there's temperature right. where there's heat for whatever reason, why they have to go there. I don't understand. Um, but that right. was an example of my husband demonstrating sovereignty. It's like, no, you're not just going to put that thing into my field without asking permission. And by the way, I don't want you to put it there. Um, yeah. and so, you know, in the context of right now, I would say sovereignty is letting yourself have a little bit of a, a feistiness of what I would call healthy aggression, which is a big part of my work is teaching people to be okay with, with consent, right? And we're always talking about consent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of something that really has been top of, of mind for a lot of people the last few years. And yet we don't see how we're letting our consent kind of dwindle away in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so, you mm -hmm. know, to be sovereign is to have boundaries, to, to know what you believe in. If you don't know what you believe in, maybe find out what you believe in, um, yeah. get educated with what's going on. Um, you know, a lot of people have said, oh, the government would, you know, they, they'll take care of us. They know what's right for us. But there's so many examples where that hasn't been true, especially at the health level um, with the various drugs that have been put out that have been damaging and toxic and carcinogenic and all these things. And I think you probably know a lot of those as well. So it's like, just be to be very um, open, to be very interested in learning. It kind of reminds me of my story of when I was injured and my work didn't help me and I had to find something else. And then the work that I did didn't help everyone. So I had to go that next step. Like you said, follow the breadcrumb trail. And I've just kind of been that perpetual learner that's always interested in learning a little bit more and a little bit more and so for us to be sovereign and have those boundaries, we have to do a little bit of digging, right? We have to do a little bit of investigation because not everything is going to be displayed to us easily. Um, right. And I would say, if I think about my students and clients who come through the work that I do, they have found me not because they've been lazy, 
like they have been very dedicated to finding out the truth when it comes to their health and really not listening to the medical professions who have said, well, you're never going to get over this, right? Or you're going to be on medication your entire life or those sorts of things. So they've found their own sovereignty in that internal knowing of, no, I'm not going to accept that sentence, right? I'm going to look and I'm going to learn. And these people find each other. It's really kind of interesting when you decide to kind of have that energy is to be like, okay, I think I'm going to look down a different path and see what I find. And maybe you don't like it and that's fine, right? But at least you can say that you've gone down that path and you've looked and you're like, yes or no, and here you go. I love what you're saying so much about sovereignty. And and I think it's actually a word that people are becoming more and more, um, I wouldn't say comfortable with, but like are learning about in, in yeah. this year, right? That's a good point, actually. I do think that, like I said, it's not a word that I would have ever used until this year. And I, my sense is that we're using it because we need to recapture it because we've lost it. Like we've just lost that sense of personal power and freedom. And the thing with humans is that we're not, um, we need community, but we're individuals. Yeah. And I think that's where we are kind of on this precipice of learning what works and what doesn't when it comes to human society. We're too darn diverse to be put into um, boxes in the way that is happening right now. And I mean, I try to stay out of politics, but I'm gonna use an example just because it's a good example, but I've been to communist countries in the past. You know, I traveled in China when I was young. My mother's from the Philippines. So I know what it's like to show up at an airport with men with full-on machine guns patrolling. You know, it doesn't feel good when you have that level of restriction. And, and I mean, we've seen what's occurred in North Korea and it's with people not having, I mean, it's, it's horrific you know, and their freedoms being taken away, not being able to see what's happening in the world. I mean, we forget here in North America that we can pretty much find information no matter how it's there. We just have to dig for it. Whereas there, like they don't have that access. They don't know what's happening in the world. Um, And we're not meant to live like that as humans, in my opinion. And I think we've sort of proven that those sorts of regimes don't work very well. Um, because we aren't a pack of dogs, you know, we aren't, we're, we're different. Humans are not like we are animals, but we're different than animals. We've got needs that are much more complex. So I think that in a weird way, we might've had to have gone through what's happening right now to unplug from that matrix that we've been so plugged into And we can look at it at all different levels, whether it's health or the political thing or education systems and how we treat treat and teach our children, Um, just all those pieces. So I think there's a reason why it's being used more. I think, I hope it's being used more because people want to become sovereign and in their own individual person. That is my wish that that starts to bubble out a little bit more. 
Um, and those who haven't had that capacity to have freedom and sovereign are really starting to speak up. They're like, you guys don't realize what it's like to have your freedoms taken away until they are taken away. And we're seeing it happen slowly without a lot of individuals realizing how sneaky it has it has been yeah. over the past nine months. Yeah, I, I think you're right on. And um, I just wanted to thank you, first of all. I wanna thank you for your work. I wanna thank you for being here with us today. I wanna thank you for all of your advice and you know your point of view. And really a lot of the time when you were thinking, I was just like, man, you are like a, it's a good word, like, um, I really want to say badass, but that's not like not badass a, cool. I, I'll not take like, that. It's not like uh, as like rich as I would like it to be. Oh, no, you know? that's a great word. I love it. <laughs> I just feel like you keep going, you know, you, that's all I, 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 I will. And um, I just appreciate you being here so much. I know people will get so much value out of this and I'll share all the ways to connect with Irene and make sure that you have access to her. And Thank if you're you feeling called to, you know, learn more about your nervous system or the traumas that might be stored into your system, or if you're facing something you haven't been able to solve yet, like she's your girl, go to her. Or I should say woman, she's your woman, go to her. And um, I'm all for girl power. It's all good. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> all good. All good. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you so much. I think your work is incredible and, and you are a badass. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I will, t- I will take that. I will take that badass and um, keep doing your work too and having these conversations with everyone in the world. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode with Irene Lyon on Inner Guidance Daily. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that now. Also, if you feel called to leave a review about this episode or any other episodes you've listened to on Inner Guidance Daily, I would so appreciate it. It helps to reach more people and it helps for more people to understand about the show. So I wanted to make sure you have all the ways to reach Irene. Okay, so you can go to irenelion.com, I-R-E-N-E-L-Y-O-N.com, irenelion.com. All of our courses, um, all of our information, blog posts, amazing content, so many ways to support you during this time and also into the future. You can also binge watch like I did on her YouTube channel. So that's YouTube channel, Irene Lyon. And again, so much amazing information. And you can also have community there where people are asking questions and you can ask her team and her direct questions as well on YouTube. And then Instagram and Facebook, also Irene Lyon. And uh, she's offering something called a 21-day tune-up, which uh, you can check out. So 21daytuneup.com. And then also the Smart Body, Smart Mind. So smartbodysmartmind.com. I highly recommend checking out all of that. Stay connected to Irene. Let us know how you feel and what your thoughts are about this show. I welcome any feedback. You can reach me at lauren at innerrebel.co or follow along on Instagram at innerrebel.co. Thank you again so much for being here and I'll see you on the next episode.